I'm about to open what some might call a can of worms. But the can of worms to find is a complex and troublesome matter. And this is decidedly a very modern, complex, and troublesome matter. I'd like to introduce to you, in a very unmodern and uncomplex manner, via video clip from the old Andy Griffin show. Watch this. Hey, you got your new Intercontinental Flyer, huh? Uh-huh. Yesterday. Boy, it's a beauty. Up on the rack and I'll give you a ride. I can't. I gotta get this garage cleaned up. Who says? My pa. What happens if you don't? I don't get my quarter this week. A quarter? For a job like this? Oh, no. Besides this, I take out the ashes, keep the wood box filled, and set the table every night. Oh, boy. Did your old man see you coming? <laughs> what do you mean? He's taking advantage of you. I don't know what you're talking about. They owe it to you. You're not supposed to work for your allowance. What do you think allowance means? I don't know. It means money the kid is allowed to have. Oh? And without working for it. It's for being a kid. Are you sure? Seems to me my pa would have told me if that's so. They figure what they don't tell you it won't hurt you. Not my pa. He tells me everything straight. Okay, so I'm wrong. But who's cleaning a garage for a quarter? And who's riding a $70 bike? Wait a minute, Arnold. What do you mean? I told you. Kids aren't supposed to work for their allowance. My pa is awful busy. Maybe he hasn't heard this new stuff. Talking is a waste of time. You have to take action. Action? Sure. What kind of action? Temper tantrums. Why? To scare them. Shake them up a little bit. Have you ever held your breath? Swimming under the raft? No. I mean at home. To get something you want. Sounds kind of spiteful. Listen, it works. Your face gets kind of red and your jaws get tight. And oh boy, do they get scared. They think you're going to get seriously sick or maybe even bust a vessel. Gee. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of them. Kicking a table leg, uh, rolling around on the floor, kicking your feet, pretending you can't stop crying. Gosh, I don't know. Oh, for crying out loud, Taylor. <laughs> hey, Arnold. Take it easy, Arnold. I didn't mean to say nothing wrong. I'm sorry, Arnold. I'm sorry. Get the idea? <laughs> and it works every time. I just don't understand it, Paul. What? None of the other guys work for their allowance. I thought we had this all thrashed out before. We did. Well, why bring it up again? Cause. Cause why? Just cause. Son, that cauldron can go on and on if you give it his head. Now, what's this all about? I just don't want to work for my allowance. Opie, I'm very busy right now. Like I say, we've been through all that before. I still don't want to work for my allowance. Fine. You don't have to. Oh, boy! No work, no allowance. That's not fair! Don't raise your voice to me. Now, you get on out of here. I got things to do. What are you doing? Opie, I asked you what you're doing. I was holding my breath. Good lung exercise. Opie, what are you doing now? I'm crying and I can't stop. Okay.
you doing now? I was having a tantrum. Oh. Well, don't get your clothes all dirty. Well, can anyone guess what we're going to talk about today? It's one of those E-words that can be an E-ticket to opening that can of worms I spoke of earlier, labeled entitlement. And I'm going to leave that word in the can for a few moments because we are going to talk about entitlement not universally or politically, but personally, you and me, in terms of our own sense of entitlement. But whatever stage you place entitlement on, whether it's universal, political, or personal, it shares the same definition definition for all. Think of it this way. There is what I desire and there is what I deserve. And entitlement is when you get those two things confused, even trade places. In other words, there are things we desire that we put forth effort to receive. But when we believe we deserve things we desire without putting forth the effort to receive them, that's entitlement. Dr. John Townsend said that entitlement is an attitudinal affliction. It's not a physical or medical ailment. It's an attitudinal affliction. And it's affecting so much about our lives and our country and our world. It affects how people love and how people relate and how people connect with each other. It affects business. It affects people's work and attitudes and expectations and productivity. And there are two tenets upon which entitlement is based. And one is, it's not on me, meaning I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible for challenges in my life, not responsible for problems in my life, not responsible for failures in my life. I'm not responsible for having to deal with them or having to work them out. It's not on me. I'm not responsible also for how I impact you through my words or my action. I can do whatever I want to. And if you get your feelings hurt, well, that's on you and it's not on me. That's not my problem. It's yours. I'm exempt from all that stuff in life. It's not on me because I'm not responsible. That's the first tenet and the first point of entitlement. And here's the second. Special treatment is my right because I deserve it. After all, it's right there in the Declaration of Independence, isn't it? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, defined today as it's not on me because I'm not responsible, and special treatment is my right because I deserve it. But you see, just because we add those words defined today as and what follows in those parentheses on the screen, it doesn't make them unalienable rights. Yet today, entitlement seeks to make them so and seems to make it seem like that they are endowed by the Creator. But I'm not responsible, and also I deserve a special treatment. They're not in the Bible. In fact, Romans 12, 3 in the Good News says this, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you should. Thus the Bible says we are indeed responsible for things in our lives and directions of our lives. As we see in Galatians 6, 5 in the Good News, which says, For each of you have to carry your own load. And this very same verse in the message version says, for each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. The New Living Translation says, For we are each responsible for our own conduct. And in the New Century Version says, Each person must be responsible for himself. So I'm not responsible, it's not on me, are not inalienable rights endowed by the Creator. 
And the Bible also says that God doesn't give out special treatment to special people. Now, you probably heard the saying that God is no respecter of persons. It actually comes from Romans 2.11 in the King James Version, which says there is no respect of persons with God. This very same verse, Romans 2.11 in NIV says, God does not show favoritism. Yes, we are loved, we are unique, but we don't get special treatment. Looking again at Galatians 6.5, this time in the Living Bible it tells us, each of us must bear some faults and burdens of our own, for none of us is perfect. Yet when things don't go well in our lives, and we look around, and we see people who seemingly have things going very well in their lives, we indeed may think, they are so darned entitled. An episode of Dr. Phil had on it, a kid who wanted to be a rock star. He was now age 40. And over the years, he actually bled his parents for $1.7 million trying to buy his way into it. He had it all, the poses, the haircut, the clothes, the guitar. But he was so entitled, he had never taken a real job because in his words, it was not a rock star job. And he claims his God to be the rock group KISS and its leader, Gene Simmons, whom Dr. Phil happens to know and had come on the show to share his own personal story with this impossibly entitled wannabe rock star man. And here's what Gene Simmons told him about his own journey that led him to worldwide fame as a rock star and estimated net worth of about $300 million. Gene Simmons said, My Jewish mother at age 14 was taken to a Jewish concentration camp and somehow survived. At age 8, I came as an immigrant with my mother to this country speaking no English. I had no entitlement and neither did she. Simmons said it became my responsibility for me to learn the language, to go to school, to learn how to interact with people. He said, I got my first job at age 12 and was never given anything. He said, later I taught English in Spanish Harlem. I was at one time assistant to the Puerto Rican director of an interagency council government research project in New York. I was once a man Friday, a personal assistant for the editor of Vogue magazine. I had many, many, many work experiences from which I saved my money. And on the side, I worked hard to learn to play the guitar and sing. And then I worked hard to be in a band. And there were many, many, many bands before the forming of KISS. So entitlement has nothing to do with becoming a rock star. Taking responsibility for your life, working hard, saving your money, learning how to manage your time and your life, that's how you become a rock star. So Gene Simmons said to him, entitlement, that's the wrong path. Get off it or you'll continue to get nowhere. In Galatians, the sixth chapter, when we get to verses 7 and 8, it puts it like this. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. In other words, if you live thinking, it's not about me, I'm not responsible for the things in my life and the direction of my life, which God says is not his plan for your life, it's thus sinful. And then you're going to reap the consequences which are so destructive to the things in your life. Now in the opening video, Opie was led to think that he shouldn't have to work for his allowance by Arnold, the kid with the new bike. But Opie being influenced to hold his breath, to cry, to throw a tantrum, didn't work. 
However, when Arnold, Opie's misguided entitled friend, thought that he could ride his bicycle recklessly on the sidewalk, endangering people after being warned several times by Deputy Fife not to, he and his father were summoned to Andy's office, the sheriff. After being threatened with his bike that it might be confiscated for a period of time, this is what happened. Sheriff, there won't be any need to impound that bike. How's that? I'd like to have it. I'm going to sell it. Sell it? You're going to sell my bike? That's right, Arnold. But it's my bike. You can't sell my bike. Be quiet, Arnold. <laughs> Barney, you want to go get the bicycle? No, 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 no. I won't let you. You can't do that. Arnold, be quiet. Mr. Winkler, would you like to continue this father and son discussion in quiet? Huh? I say, would you like to continue this in quiet? There's a real nice woodshed out back. Woodshed? Mm-hmm. Good old-fashioned woodshed? Real nice one. Mm-hmm. Come on, Arnold. Think he deserves it? I don't want to say. After all, he is one of my own kind. <laughs> yes, when the attitudinal affliction of entitlement comes into us, life can take us also to the woodshed for spanking, metaphorically speaking. In fact, just last week I had my day precisely planned out. And I'd be taking my grandson Keaton to the music store to add to his birthday money to get him a really good acoustic electric guitar. So that morning I did all the research. I read all the reviews on all the guitars that the music store had in stock that were the right price. I put them in my notes app on my computer. And then in the notes app, I added to my to-do list there of all the places that I needed to go that morning. First was the sausage, biscuit, and tea at Mickey D's. And next, a trip to Big Lots to get some cheap beach chairs for Crosswaves that next weekend. Next, I'd be picking up toiletries from a business whose traveling employees collect them and donate them to Helping Hands. With boxes full of them, they do that a couple times a year. My way home, I hit the big store to pick up some magazines, change page from my usual books that I read, then I hit the bank and head home. Also cleaned up and updated my long-term to-do list on my notes app so I wouldn't forget anything that was farther out. And all my computer notes automatically sync with my iPhone. But before I left, I went to check them on my iPhone since I'd be needing them all day. And much to my surprise, they weren't there. In fact, notes hadn't synced with my iPhone in days. Frustrated. I spent time trying to figure that out, and nothing worked. I tried more and more things, and finally, accidentally, I erased all of my guitar info notes, all of my today's to-do list, as well as all of my long-term to-do list notes. And I was boiling mad, thinking and saying things that I shouldn't. I mean, how could this happen to me? After all, I deserve better. I'm helping my grandson get the right guitar. I'm picking up toiletries for the homeless. I'm getting a beach chair so my nephew won't have to sit in the sand at Crosswaves next weekend. I spent all this time this morning figuring all this stuff out, writing it all down, updating everything I need to do in the future so I won't forget anything. Now it's all gone. I don't deserve this. So next I go back and I look up all the guitar info stuff again, write it down, update my to-do list all over again, and I frustratingly try to remember all the things ahead I have to do 
that I won't remember unless I keep a current list, which is now all gone. Needless to say, I didn't deserve this. So having a significant attitudinal affliction and this weird heaviness in my heart and my spirit, I set out on my day an hour after I had intended. Sausage biscuit was okay. Wasn't sure about the beach chairs at Big Lots, though, so I passed. Next, there was no parking place anywhere near the door of the office building where I was to pick up all the toiletries. It's doubly bad because the outside door of that office building is nowhere near to the inside door of the office where the toiletries are. Not only that, those toiletry boxes are so heavy. It's difficult to carry, especially long distances. So, hey, I struggled through. I finally got them to the car, parked far away. Bookstore magazine buying trip went well. Next, I went to Target, hopefully to find some better beach chairs. No such luck there, but I did try out some of those really low, hard-to-get-out-of ones like you see on the screen. And after getting down low into them, I went to stand back up, pushing on the chair, and it started to slide out from under me, so I just sat back down again. Second time, the same results, and I sat back down again. Third try, I put my all into it. And again, the chair slid out with the result of me somehow ending up on the floor, lying on my side right there in Target. Telling my wife about it later, she said, did you look around and see anyone saw you? And I said, yes, and thankfully, I got up with anyone noticing me. But not only that, I soon realized that I should have gotten the beach chairs back in big lots, and I wouldn't have had to take this trip to Target and walk nearly a half a mile to the farthest corner of the store just to roll around on the floor. So I hit the bank, returned to big lots to get the beach chairs, went home, and then later that same day, while taking Keaton to get his guitar, which should have been a really fun and rewarding experience for me, I still had this attitudinal affliction that I just couldn't shake. Why did I have such a weird day? I certainly deserve better. But you see, entitlement and even the simplest and the most mundane things and ways wreaks havoc in our lives and in God's plan for our lives. And you know what the root of entitlement is and where it lies? Galatians 6th chapter, back in verse 4 in the message, tells us, Don't compare yourself to others. The root of entitlement grows out of comparison. Comparison with others, yes, externally, but also internal comparison with our expectations. Now, external comparison, it leads to an attitudinal affliction of frustration of our not being where someone else is and what they've accomplished and what they've done with themselves in their lives. An internal comparison within ourselves leads to an attitudinal affliction of frustration of not being where we hope to be in terms of what we've accomplished and what we've done with ourselves and the way we've hoped for our lives to go. And out of that root of comparison can grow entitlement that I deserve more because I'm not getting enough of what I should. Now, Galatians 6, 4, and 5 in the New Century Version tells us that each person should judge his own actions and not compare himself with others. Then he can be proud of what he himself has done. Each person must be responsible for himself. In other words, don't just look at others. Rather, look at yourself, at what you've done, at your life's direction. Where it's good, rejoice in it. Where it's lacking, do something about it. Don't expect the world or anyone in it to make good things happen for you. Where things are lacking, do something about it. Verse 5 tells us that each person must be responsible for himself. Is that easy? No. Life is hard. Anyone realize that? If you realize life is hard, raise your hand. Now, on the other side of this, if you think life isn't really that hard... And all these people are just whining. 
and your life has no problems, no challenges, and everything in it is just great all the time, then raise your hand really, really high. I always like it when someone raises their hand to that question so the rest of us can see what denial looks like. Because life is hard. The Old Testament book of Isaiah, in it there are four servant songs that refer specifically to foretelling about Jesus, what will happen to him, what he will say, what he will do. And in the third of these servant songs are these words foretold of Jesus. This is Isaiah's 50th chapter, verse 7 in the New Living Translation. These are the words of Jesus. Because the Lord helps me, I will not be dismayed. Therefore, I have set my face like flint to do his will, and I know that I will triumph. Setting my face like flint means tightening my jaw and ramping up my determination to succeed at something. And we see that all the time, don't we, with people in athletic competitions. We see that with people who are in stressful situations so they can overcome whatever it is that they're facing. Because the goal is to triumph. And Jesus did that for us. He faced the difficulty of suffering as people were opposed to him in his life. He faced the difficulty of suffering as he died upon a cross. And yet he triumphed for one very important reason. That is for us, for you and me, so that we would be able to triumph in him over our sin. And so that we'd be able to spend eternity with God. And so we too can also triumph over all the disappointments and all the desires that didn't come true in our lives, all the heartaches, all the hurts that inevitably come to us in life because it's hard. But God is there with us. Like Jesus, you're to tighten your jaw and you ramp up your determination with God's help, taking responsibility to oppose the tough things coming our way because we know we're not alone and in him we will triumph. Now, back in Galatians 6 chapter, in verses 7 and 8, if we read it completely all the way through verse 8, it says this, A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit he will reap eternal life. So in God, we're to take responsibility for our lives. God wants us to face the tough stuff first. It's kind of like when you're growing up and your mother said, be sure to eat all the ice cream first so you can have your broccoli. Now, did your mom ever say that? No. If you claim she did, you probably wouldn't be here today by always taking the easy way over the hard way. Life just doesn't work that way. That's contrary to God's system where ice cream only exists so that we'll eat broccoli. So with this in mind, let's check back in with Opie. Hi, Paul. Hi, son. Can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. What's on your mind? Well, I've been doing a lot of thinking. Good for the head. And I was wondering if by any chance you might need a person to clean the garage and do odd jobs around. You know, it's funny you should ask at this time. There happens to be a recent vacancy in that department. Oh, boy. Well, what person did you have in mind? Opie Taylor. Uh-huh. I'm sorry about the way I acted, Paul. What's done's done. Well, let's see. Uh, cleaning out the garage, hauling out the ashes, setting the table. That ought to be worth about, oh, say, uh, 25 cents a week, okay? Sounds fine to me, Paul. Good. 
fault? It was kind of hard for you to apologize, wasn't it? Kind of. I well, suppose we make that uh, 27 cents a week. That's a dollar more a year. Yeah. What you gonna do with all your money? Save up for a bell. A bell? Uh-huh. And save up for a bike to put under it. <laughs> Opie seemed to learn what God wants all of us to learn. I am responsible is an empowering phrase, putting you in the driver's seat to a much fuller future. Whereas I deserve more is a disempowering phrase that puts you in the back seat and someone other than you in the driver's seat, driving you to a less fuller future. So please know you will reap what you sow. Thus sow from the desires of God's spirit and in fullness you will grow. Or so from what you think you deserve, and your life's potential and its fullness will not be known. So thus, so wisely. Will you pray with me? Great God, we just come before you, and we just thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for your guidance and your direction. Thank you for showing us that even in our own lives that entitlement can Cause us to think things should be a certain way, and when they don't go that way, Father, we get so frustrated. So be with us, Father. Help us to walk the path that you've laid out before us. Help us to see things as you see things, and help us to live the lives that you've created for us to live in the fullest. So be with us, Father, in this way, and in all the things of our lives, may we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.